Moses, take off your shoes. For the ground on which you stand is holy ground. And from a normal perspective, we would always look and we would be saying, but surely the first thing you would call holy is the name of God, or God himself. Yeah, in the scriptures, the first thing God called holy was a piece of ground. And the Bible tells us that he not only spoke to Moses, but when Joshua was coming into the promised land, the end of the Lord came to him and said, take off your shoes. You are in holy ground. And if that wasn't enough, just in Mount Sinai, just from out to the border of Canaan, the promised land, we read about Solomon who spoke the words saying, I have to build a separate house from my queen, my rejected queen, because everywhere the Ark of the Covenant has been is holy ground. And it, for everyone it takes, it's a worthwhile study to look at all the places that the Ark of the Covenant travelled. And we know from Scripture, God calls that land His land. And the children of Israel, many people hate them, we see that in these days, and they want to judge them. But the Scripture says, God judged them double for their sins. If somebody is going to judge you for his sins, then it's God who's got that responsibility. You don't have that responsibility, I don't have it. Because God says they're my people and I will deal with them. And when they sin, they got double the punishment. But God's hand has always been upon them to preserve them. And God spoke and he said, when you come back to your land a second time, you will not be uprooted. He said, if we can't tell me the foundations of the earth and how massive the expanse of heaven is, then as long as you can't do that, the children of Israel will exist. And even goes further, he said, when I create a new heaven and a new earth, he says, there will be before me. So, we know what the scripture says about Israel. We know what it says about Hamas, because in Genesis chapter 6, I think it's verse 11, it's, the Bible says, And the world was filled with violence. And the word there for violence is Hamas. And so it's an ancient wickedness that's been there since the beginning of time. The other thing, remember, Palestine was the name most people attribute to the Romans changing the name. But Palestina is in the Bible. It's in the book of Exodus. And the Bible tells us the nations who inhabited Palestina. So from a Bible perspective, I'm just going to move on today to talk about Gaza. Because Gaza's in the scripture. And Gaza is first mentioned in the book of Genesis. And you're going to find that the Bible tells us, remember, when Israel was going into the promised land, the land was called Canaan. 
And that is because in Genesis 10.15, we read about the Canaanites, and they are the descendants of Canaan. And so, the Bible talks about Gaza, and there are scriptures in Genesis, and it says, As you go unto Sodom and Gomorrah, and Agma and Zebulon, even unto Lashia, which is Laish, and these places are all spread out all over the place. So the borders were up to Gaza. And so when we come to the land of Canaan and the biblical times, the sons of Canaan were the people in the land. The Bible says Canaan's first son is Zidon, and he named a city after himself. Now, Zidon is still with us today. It's situated on the seacoast, north of Caesarea, and Tyre. And so that place is there today. This was the town where Jezebel came from. And Jezebel married Ahab, and Jezebel brought with her the worship of Baal. And she was responsible for the killing of God's prophets, she was responsible for turning the hearts of the people away from the living God to worship the images. And we all know about Jezebel and Ahab. Also, Zidon is also known as the Phoenicians. And the Phoenicians were great tree travelers. They traveled everywhere. And many of you might not know this, but there is reputed to be a stone in Ireland. And it says this, We are Canaanites who fled from Joshua, the son of Nun, the robber. We are Canaanites who fled from Joshua, the son of Nun, the robber. The second son of Canaan was Heth. In the Hebrew it means terrible. And the descendants of Heth were the Hittites. And other sons that came were the Jebusites, the Ammonites, and all of these people lived in Canaan. When Joshua went into the land there were 30 different kings. And so it was a, so that's why it was called the land of Canaan, because it came and they were all the sons of Canaan. So when Joshua conquered Canaan, were given a number of places that he did not take. In Joshua 11, 22, there was none of the Anakims left in the land of the children of Israel, only in Gaza. In Gaza and in Ashdod, there they made. And then in Judges chapter 3, 24, it gives us the reasons why there was left in Gaza people who were not conquered. And the Bible does specifically two things. One is, it was to train Israel for war. God wanted the people always to be strong. Because the Bible says in the Old Testament, God is a God of war. And so he wanted Israel to be strong, so he wanted them to have somebody who was born on their side. But he also wanted them to have that born on side so that they would not turn from him and always look to him for deliverance. He was looking for his people to keep their eyes fixed on him 
And so there's a double thing for war, keep the lights fixed on me. What do we have today? Train for war. You've got to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. See, the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. That which has been will be. And there is nothing new under the sun. And so as we come into today's events and look at today's events, we're getting a mirror of what already was taking the past. But we also look at scripture what the future is going to be. And see, this is the thing about the Bible. If you don't know the Bible, you can stand in opposition to the Bible, totally illiterate, and you will get the consequences which God speaks. See, when you come to the Scriptures, God says, my people will not be plucked up again. So what does that tell us about today? It can tell us that Iran, Turkey, Russia, Libya, all the nations which are mentioned between Psalms 83 and between Ezekiel, they can all come against Israel. And they can make, do lots of damage, they might get so far. But the Bible says the God of Israel will not pluck these people out of that hand again. So people have a contest. And if you want to know if the Bible is true, you look to see the outcome of what's going to happen today. Because God's word you only be able to deny it and say it didn't work when Israel was pushed into the sea. And God has said that will never happen. It will never happen. Even if they had every single nation and they have come against them, God said it will never happen. So you have to come to this place to say, we are dealing with a book that tells us of the past, but the past gives us pictures of what's happening in the present. The Bible tells us how we should be praying. Now, different people pray different ways. And they pray for different things. But when I come and I read the scriptures, I'm not praying specifically for Israel because they're great. I'm not praying against the Palestinians because there's people need saved. But what I do is I pray in alignment with what God says. Pray in alignment with the word of God. Because God is a judge and God deals with his people. And so when we come to this scripture, when we read about the Anakim, they were destroyed in all of Israel. But the Anakim remained in Gaza. And the Anakim are first mentioned in Deuteronomy 1.28. And you read about them there. In the Hebrew people, they see the Anakin as the descendants of the Nephilim, which is the offspring of fallen angels. <laughs> the offspring of fallen angels first happened in Genesis chapter 6. One of the reasons for the offspring of the fallen angels was to corrupt mankind. The flood that came to Noah because mankind's DNA was corrupted, and also because of the wickedness, because in the corruption, of man's DNA and the giants, there was also strange, the Bible talks about strange flesh, which means bestiality and all of those type of things going on. And so the flood comes to deal away with mankind plus the animals. Noah is preserved because his DNA is still perfect. And so the Bible talks about, so we've got remnants of these giants, and the remnants of the giants are in Gaza. 
There's a stronghold. The sons of Anak are there. We read about that in Deuteronomy 9.2. And they had a city called Kajar Arbor. The city of Arbor, the father of the giant Anak, after whom the Anakim were named. And when we go to Joshua 15, verses 13 and 14, we read about Caleb. Caleb was one of the spies when they went into the promised land and came back and said, hey, I'll try to, let's go in because the bigger they are, the harder they're going to fall. Let's go. And the people said, ah, and the people were terrified. But at the age of 80, when they entered the promised land, what did Joshua do? I want my inheritance. What was his inheritance? The city of Arthur, the city of Arnold the Giant, the city that became Hebron. And Joshua took on the giants and slew the giants and took possession of the land that God had promised them. And so, when we come to the 12th century BC, we find in Egypt, in the walls of Ramesses' sub temple, at a place called Menelik Habu, they have got the inscriptions of a warfaring people who were seafaring people who started to raid the coast of the Mediterranean, Mediterranean. And these people, the Bible said, came from Qatar. And most people agree that they, they came from the island of Crete. And they were the Philistines that eventually inhabited Gaza. And of course, we know the history of the Philistines. They were Israel's arch enemies. And here again, what did we find in Gaza? In that area, this is where Goliath comes from, of the giants. This is where the brothers of Goliath come from. And so, Gaza has always been one of these places where there has been a stronghold of wickedness. And was there back in history, it's here today as we've witnessed in these last piece past days. And so the Bible tells us when the people of God entered Canaan, they had to deal with the people of the land because the people of the land were corrupt. They went after strange flesh, which means bestiality. And all the things which you abhor were taking place, and that is one of the reasons they were told to be wiped out. Also because it was God's land, he didn't want his land polluted. And so the Philistines were there. And of course, they fought with Israel, David slew the giants, David conquered the place, the battles always went this way and that way. And the last mention of Gaza in the Bible is Philip went down to meet the Ethiopian and to tell them the good news. But Gaza, like Jerusalem, was conquered by Nebuchadnezzar. And this is a strange thing. When Israel was dispersed, you had no more Philistines. The land of Gaza becomes a desert. Nobody's there. And I quoted to you the last time, the, the book by Mark Twain, who travelled through that place about 1860, said, it's such a barren place. He said, nobody would want to live here. 
And how do you know the Bible's true? Because when the children of Israel start coming back to their promised land, what happens? Enemies of Israel start to come back to that promised land. It's always been the case. It happened when they were in Babylon and they came back from Babylon. Then the, uh, the enemies started to pop up. So the land lay from when the Israel was dispersed with the Romans in AD 134, 135, right through until they started to return. That whole land was barren. Nobody was living there. They touched to the place for 400 years. They couldn't produce one Palestinian because there wasn't there. <coughs> and so we come through, and of course, things begin to change in 1948. But there is a prophecy in Zephaniah, talk, and Zephaniah 2 4, which talks about how God dealt with the Philistines. And for Gaza shall be forsaken, and Ashkelon and desolation, they shall drive out Ashdod at the noonday. And entrance shall be rooted up. And that happened, and the Philistines be here about no more. And we have, since 1948, we've got all these people who have been placed in Gaza. And all these people were to, they came from all the other nations around, part of the Second World War. And they were basically pushed there. So they're like the Arabs living in Gaza. They don't call them Palestinians. So you can get all the history, you can do all these things. But what it shows us is that there has always been a warfare in that part of the world. And the warfare is all about not just Gaza, it's actually over Jerusalem. The warfare has always been over Jerusalem. It has been from the beginning, it will be today, and it will continue until Jesus comes. Because Jerusalem is the place where the Lord Jesus Christ is returning to. He's coming in the clouds of power and great authority. And when he comes, he comes to Jerusalem. And so the battle for Jerusalem is a battle to prevent Jesus coming. It is a bit like when you go, there's a gate in the walls of Jerusalem which tells us that when the Lord comes, he will go through that gate. And at the moment, that gate got all blocked up many years ago. And there's a graveyard put in front. And people think because there's a graveyard the wall, that the King of Glory is not going to walk through that gate. See, when Jesus comes, he will fulfill every word that is written in the scriptures. So at the moment, we have Gaza and we have these people. And it's good to pray for these people. Because they have lived for the last 70 years under a spirit of rejection. They have lived under a spirit of rejection. They have been manipulated. They have been coerced. They have been controlled. And nobody wants them. Iran can talk as much as they want about King Jerusalem, but they'll not take one Palestinian. They're, they're not Arabs. Egypt will not take any of them. They say, we've got enough with the brotherhood, we don't want any of them. All the countries round about them, they don't want them. 
And so we're not suffering under rejection. And when the spirit of rejection is upon you, you're going to do things which you have never done in your right mind. And so we have to pray that that spirit of rejection is broken off of these people and those people who are still there who are horrified of everything that's happened and the people there who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, that God will move amongst them because God is able to break the power of wickedness. And God is able to deal with the spirit of rejection. And we pray today that that spirit of rejection will be broken in the name of Jesus. And that the gospel and the miracles will start to take place so that people under that spirit will start to discover that there's a God in heaven who does miracles. And his name is Jesus. But the Bible also tells us that prophetic words have not been fulfilled concerning Gaza. And in Amos 1 6 it says, Thus saith the Lord, for three transgressions of Gaza and for four, I will not turn away the punishment thereof, because they carried away captive the whole captivity to deliver them up to Edom. It's quite an interesting verse. For three transgressions, well, you've already got the punishment coming. And four is just an added one. I mean, you put three and four together, that's seven, which is perfect. Three transgressions, four, and together, and seven is completed prophecy, or completed length of time. And see, God has got everything under control. And what do the people do in Gaza? They carry the way captives. There's nothing new under the sun. That which is been will be. The preacher already told us that many, many years ago. But the Bible also tells us the context of Amos 1 6. The context the Lord will roar from Zion. And when we start to read about the Lord roaring from Zion, what's that talking about? That is talking about Jesus returning. That is talking about Jesus coming back and coming back to Jerusalem. And so Gaza is among a number of cities which are also mentioned in Zechariah chapter 9. And the judgment for every one of them is based on how they treated Israel. Without exception, every one of the cities mentioned in Amos and in Zechariah 9 is all to do with how they treat Israel. So, notice the expression again, for three transgressions and for four. Now, I want to talk about God's system. God's system is four and three. And just like two weeks ago, we looked at that verse, take off your shoes, it's holy ground. And that opened up for us a number of truths. It's the same when we come here and we look at the scripture because what we find, the first mention of life in scripture comes in the fifth day. Four days pass, then you're going into the fifth day, the fourth and three, life comes. Life comes to the self. Now, there is, um, if you ever study it, there's Bishop Usher. And Bishop Usher 
of the Bible-believing man. He took the verse from Scripture from Peter. One day of the Lord is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. And he said, so when we look at creation, God worked for six days, and then on the seventh day he rested. And so he said, what this is signified is a six thousand years, six days of history. And when we enter into the seventh day, we're going to enter into the thousand year millennial rest that God speaks about. So when he talks about the fifth day, he talks about this is when life came. Life was given by God on the fifth day. And when did Jesus come? Jesus came to this earth on the fifth day. And the Bible says when Jesus came in John 3, 36, he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. So when Jesus comes, everlasting life is getting offered. First John 5, 12 says, and he that hath the Son hath life. And in Romans 6, 23, the gift of God is eternal life. So life comes in the fifth day, and Jesus, the Son of God, comes in the fifth day of history. And he offers up his life for sin. He comes to give life. He comes to deal with sin, and he comes to open the door so that we can have a relationship with the Father in heaven. And the scriptures, as I say, states a thousand years as a day, and that day is like a thousand years. It's a prophetic timetable of scripture. And by the way, when we look at the, the prophetic timetable, there's many ways you can look at all the different angles and you come to the same conclusion. I've already mentioned before, I've written about how you calculate to the exact day that the Jewish people got was established in Israel in 1948. You can do it from the books of Daniel and Leviticus and the book of Ezekiel. And how they got in 1967 Jerusalem is calculated the same way. But the Bible has a system of four and three. And in Proverbs 15, 24, it says, The way of life is above to the wise. The way of life is above to the wise that he may depart from hell beneath. See, the one who came came from above and he declared, I am the way, John 46, I am the truth, I am the life. And in Luke 21 28, it tells us, Look up because your redemption draws nigh. We look up, and people who are wise. They're looking for the salvation of their souls. People who are wise are going not to be arguing with everything, but they want to make sure that they are right with the living God. And so the scriptures tell us, the way of life is above to the wise, that he may depart from hell beneath. So the Bible tells us that there's consequences for sin. The Bible tells us the way to get away and get forgiveness of sins. It comes to the one that came in the fifth day to bring life. And he came to bring eternal life and to deal with the problem of sin. And his name is Jesus. So the gospel is good news. It rescues us and saves us from hell. And the wise person spends their time and staying out of hell. 
And so the scriptures, when we go back to 3 and 4, create for is a worldly system. Proverbs 30, 15. The horse each have two daughters. Doctrinally, we can look at that from Revelation and Zechariah. The horses had two daughters crying, Give, give. There are three things that are never satisfied, yet four things say not it is enough. This one verse comes in the context of a number of verses. And the number of verses is all about a particular generation of people. And this verse which comes talks about a generation that you read about in Matthew chapter 24. But here it says the horse leech. The horse leech is a blood sucker. The blood thirsty. The thirst is never quenched. They want more blood. And the Bible here, it tells us, because the scriptures tell us that the demonic realm look for the blood. They look for the blood of the innocent. They look for the blood of the children, the sacrifices. The blood of sacrifices enables them and gives them power and authority. And we've seen how in October the 7th they were crying, give, give, give us more blood, give us blood, give us blood. And they said it was not enough. They said it was not enough. And that reminds us of Deuteronomy 32, 33. Where the Bible says, their mind is the poison of dragons and the cruel venom of us. The vine is the vine of the earth. It is not the true vine that came from heaven, the Lord Jesus Christ. But it is the vine of earth who brings destruction and looks for blood and wants more blood and more blood and can never be satisfied. And what the psalmist said, he said, their sorrows shall be multiplied that hasten after another God and their great offerings of blood. And he said, I will not touch their great offerings of blood. I will keep away from it. And Proverbs 6.17 tells us that God hates the hands that shed innocent blood. So the three and four, which is seven completed prophecy or complete in length of time. And Leviticus 26-18, when it came to Israel, when Israel sinned and didn't repent, it's God judged their sin seven times more. And if God judges their sin seven times more, how much will he judge those who come against his people? And so we are coming to the scripture and saying, what does the scripture say? Well, Jeremiah 9 3 says, They bend their tongues like a bow for lies. They're not valiant for the truth upon the earth. They proceed from evil to evil. They know not me, said the Lord. So there's a group of people who commit wickedness and atrocities, and God says, They don't know me. They are not my people, they don't know me. Jeremiah 5 goes on to say, they will deceive everyone his neighbor, will not speak the truth. They have taught their tongue to speak lies, weary themselves 
to commit iniquity. Weary themselves to commit iniquity. And so the Bible is telling us there's the worldly system and there's God's system. The worldly system, there is not enough because it is be in total opposition to God, to his people. And there's a world as God's system who has come to give us life. And we want to pray today that in the Adam nations that they will discover that the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob is also the God who comes the name is Jesus Christ who is a descendant and who comes and he has come to give them life. And he is no respect of persons. And so we want to pray that in that audition, God will start to show up and give revelation of himself. Because without the revelation of Jesus Christ, they are not going into heaven, they are not going into the presence of God, but they are lost for eternity. The Bible says, God's mercy is new every morning. And that there is nothing impossible for God. There is nothing impossible. He breaks the bounds of wickedness. He opens people's eyes. He reveals truth. And those who desire truth, they are led in the way of truth and find the Savior. But those who harden their heart and pursue the ways of the world and come against the Lord, their faith has already been decided in Scripture. Now, the, the wonderful thing about this is that I don't need to justify it because I'm just saying what's the word of God. But what it does, it gives every one of you a yardstick to look and see what's happening. And you say, well, I know what the word of God says. Let me see what's happening in reality. And then let's have <coughs> the word of God is uprooted and completely obliterated so that everything that is in the word of God that he has said about his people in Jerusalem that unless the people of Israel are totally obliterated then you know the word of God stands mm -hmm. and once you know the word of God still stands through everything then you know where to put your allegiance you put your allegiance for the God who fulfills his work. He is a God of covenant. He is a God of truth. He is a God who said, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. He is a God who comes to each one of us and he offers a way of salvation. And he is the one who says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Call upon me and I will answer you. So we stand today not on what Israel's done, not what I've not done, because the scripture also says, it says, God says, when I deal with them, it will not be because of what they have done. I will do these things because of my namesake. And so what does that bring us to? It brings us to the name of the living God. And so the battle over Jerusalem is says, what God is the true God. When it comes down to it, boils everything down. Who is the true God? Mm -hmm. Is it the Lord God? Is it Jehovah? Or is it Allah? Who is the true God? 
And this is what it all comes down to. And so when you look and you view, just remember, when the enemies of Israel don't prevail, it's not because of Israel, it's because the God of Israel says, I'm not going to let it happen. So you have to take your possession and how you pray. And, and for myself, I will always pray in alignment with what God has said and what he will do. I'm not going to judge Israel. God judges Israel. But he also judges the nations. We want to pray in alignment with his word to see his word being fulfilled. That people will have revelation of Jesus and be set free from the powers of darkness. It's all about souls being saved. It's all about what God rules on this world. And we're in these days of warfare. Where it's like Joshua, when he went into the promised land, when he told the people, he said, Choose you this day who you're going to serve. Who are you going to serve today? You have to choose. And what you don't want to do is choose the wrong side. The one of true side to be in is the one of the God of the Bible. And that will be demonstrated to you in the days that are lying ahead. So the word of God never fails. Saints which have been, pastors have been, the same people groups have been, they're all in the arena today. That the God of the Bible neither slumbers nor sleeps, and He never forsakes His word. And so we know we have a solid foundation when we stand upon His word to proclaim His truth. Because the God of the Bible is not end to martyrdom and destruction; He's end to save the souls from hell. End to save the souls from hell. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we come today and we recognize that you are the God who sits upon the throne. You are the God who is forever alive. You are the God who reigns from heaven above. You stand upon your stones and you laugh at your enemies. And you are the God of promise and of covenant. And Father, have you not said and will you not do it? And we, your people today, stand upon your word, proclaiming the truth of your word. That you will fulfill every single scripture in your book concerning the land of Israel, which you call your land. And so, Father, we align with your word. And we pray that there will be breakthrough in the nations of the Middle East where this cloud of darkness and destruction that has blinded so many eyes will be broken in the name of Jesus. And that they will discover that as a God of miracles that heals the broken heart, the God of miracles that heals the body, the God of miracles that gives peace into the heart. Father God, we pray today that there will be a move of your spirit like the Middle Eastern nations have never known that you will bring into their mosques, into their governments, and, and Father, we thank you, tell us, you speak in visions of the night. Lord, you speak directly to individuals. You speak directly to leaders. Some leaders should terrify. 
Other places you have revelation of who you are. And so, Father, we ask in these days that these will be the days where instead of all the destruction that the powers of darkness want to see, that everything will be turned for the great harvest in the nations of the Middle East in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen.